Yo, what is up? Welcome to Ambitious. My name is Dylan Price. Happy St. Patrick's Day and welcome to a special Sunday Ambitious episode. It is Ambitious Mock Draft 1.0. 32 picks. The whole first round. It's exciting. Some really bold choices I made that maybe aren't getting mocked too much, but make a lot of sense for a lot of teams. So I'm going to dive right into it. With the first pick in the draft, the Arizona Cardinals select Kyler Murray, the quarterback from Oklahoma. I'm starting with a bang. Murray is been talked about a lot lately as the guy who seems like a lock at number one. And it's bold. It's a choice that definitely shows that you have certainty that Cliff Kingsbury can be that guy who coaches this team for the next 10 years and can be your Sean McVay, so you're giving him his quarterback, you're giving him the guy he recruited, and you're giving him his ideal quarterback for his offense in Kyler Murray. It's a bold choice that will likely result in Josh Rosen getting traded. It's a bold choice that shows your certainty in Cliff Kingsbury, and it's a bold choice that I see the Arizona Cardinals making at number one. So the guy who should be number one, But because of the quarterback run, I see Nick Boza dropping to number two, falling right into the 49ers' laps. And the 49ers and John Lynch as general manager could not be happier. Boza is easily the best player in this draft. Although he took a year off, so there's not big production numbers, Boza is the most talented player in this class and falls right into the 49ers' laps and gives them a special talent to add to an already pretty good defense and make a pretty well-rounded defense, and honestly make them a surprise team for this year in my eyes. Number three, the New York Jets. I have them selecting Josh Allen, outside linebacker, edge rusher from Kentucky. To me, this is Anthony Barr written all over it because Anthony Barr signs with the Jets, or was agrees to sign with the Jets, pulls back out of the deal, and reportedly, he was going to be the kind of Swiss Army knife toy for Greg Williams' defense. And now, they replace him with a younger, honestly more proven production out of Josh Allen. Although he, there's questions about his game and his skill set, he seems like a good fit to me with the New York Jets and the defense that Greg Williams is going to run. He can be the toy that Williams can play with and use in different packages, and it makes a lot of sense to me at number three. Number four, the first of their three picks, the Oakland Raiders select Quinnen Williams, defensive lineman, Alabama. Although the Raiders already have a very stout defensive line with Maurice Hurst and Jonathan Hankins, adding the best player available on the board still with Quinnen Williams is a move that you can't dispute. Williams provides a lot of value to that defense and becomes a kind of weapon that Gruden can use on the D-line, and a guy that just seems like the kind of player Gruden would have his eyes on and would be very thankful slips to number four. Number five, the Tampa Bay Bucks select Devin White, inside linebacker, LSU. This is a bold pick. In my eyes, it came down to White or Montez Sweat at number five because Bulls has wanted an edge rusher for a long time. But Quan Alexander just signed signed with the 49ers, and now they have a hole. The Buccaneers need an inside linebacker, a captain in the defense. They need someone with sideline-to-sideline ability, with speed, with proven production, and leadership. And that is Devin White out of LSU, 
And it's a pick that I like a lot. And for a guy who needs a win after getting fired from the Jets and going back to the same position he was in with Arizona, it's a big win for Bowles, and he gets a toy to play with in Devin White. Number six, one of the most anticipated picks in the draft, the New York Giants do not select the quarterback in my eyes. They select Rashawn Gary, edge rusher, defensive end out of Michigan. Rashawn Gary is a guy who just needs to put it all together. He needs a really good defensive coach who can just toy with his skill set a little and could easily be one of the best players in this draft class when it's all said and done. I... When I did my rankings, I compared Rashawn Gary to Cameron Jordan, and that's exactly what I think he can be. He can be an impactful player for the Giants. It's a best player available selection for me for the Giants, and it's a guy that adds a big boost to that Giants defense and can be a really big weapon for the New York Giants. Number seven, I have Jawan Taylor out of Florida, staying put in Florida and heading to the Jacksonville Jaguars. $88 million is the story with this pick. You pay Nick Foles $88 million, you better give him some protection. Jawan Taylor provides that. Taylor is the kind of tackle that just makes sense in a Doug Marone team, and he is a mauler and becomes the first offensive lineman off the board. Although he may not be my number one offensive lineman, he fits very well into what the Jags do and is a very good protector for Nick Foles. Number eight, I have the Detroit Lions selecting Montez Sweat, edge rusher, out of, I think, University of Mississippi, or or Mississippi State. Montez Sweat is a player who lit up the combine, and that's the best way to say it. He lit up every drill and showed a lot of Von Miller-type comparisons, rose up draft boards, and made a name for himself. Montez Sweat's athletic, he's versatile, and he's a dynamic player that Matt Patricia would be salvating over adding to his defense. You can pair him with Trey Flowers and have a really, really nice pass rush, and that's something I think the Lions would be very excited to add. Number nine, I have the Buffalo Bills selecting Ed Oliver, defensive tackle Houston. A couple months ago, maybe a year ago, It seemed like Ed Oliver was the consensus number one pick, but with a quarterback run and talented years out of surprising players, Ed Oliver slips to number nine. He may be the most athletic and most dynamic player in this class, but he falls to number nine, and honestly, he could be the best player in this draft class and shock the world. Ed Oliver has Aaron Donald written all over it. Oliver is dynamic. He is a kind of player who you can build a defense around. He's a guy I'm really high on, but I do see falling to number nine. He goes to Buffalo, fills in, and takes over Kyle Williams' spot. You pair him with Harrison Phillips. That's the makeup of a nice defensive line. And you honestly upgrade over Kyle Williams, who was a typical big-body defensive tackle, where you get Ed Oliver, who's an athletic, you know, much smaller, like still lengthy and still can slip through the defensive line, but can be a pass rusher and also a run stopper. It's a big pick and a really nice move that the Buffalo Bills can make at number 9. At number 10, I have a bit of a surprising pick. Denver Broncos select Drew Locke, 
quarterback, University of Missouri. Locke goes above Haskins in this, which is the first surprise. The second is the Broncos, who just go out and trade for Joe Flacco, put Drew Locke behind him. Reportedly, John Elway is very enamored with Drew Locke and sees him as a guy who would fit perfect into the Broncos' offense. Stop me if you heard this before with Paxton Lynch. But Drew Locke's different. Drew Locke is a player I think is going to do very well. I definitely have some questions about his skill set and his game. I guess his game overall. But I think sitting behind Joe Flacco could do him wonders. And honestly, he could be the face of that Broncos organization for the long run. Number 11, I have the Cincinnati Bengals selecting Cody Ford, offensive lineman, Oklahoma. Second offensive lineman off the board to the Cincinnati Bengals, a team that is looking to protect Andy Dalton, their, I guess, apparent franchise quarterback. I still question Andy Dalton as a quarterback, but maybe Zach Taylor can work wonders with him. But Cody Ford is a protector and a guy who can make a difference to that offense and give Dalton more time in the pocket and make sure he's protected for the 2019-2020 season. At number 12, I have the Green Bay Packers selecting TJ Hawkinson, tight end, Iowa. One of the two Iowa tight ends, maybe the Iowa second Iowa tight end. I'm not as high on Hawkinson as I am fan, but Hawkinson fits more of what the Packers are doing and what they're trying to do. Although I would love to see Rodgers and Fant, that would be an ideal combo. I think Hawkinson seems like more of a fit for what the Packers are trying to do. Hawkinson can block better than Fant, although I think Fant is a more dynamic pass rusher, or not pass rusher, pass catching player. He is a athletic player, but Hawkinson is also athletic, and the blocking puts him above Fant in my eyes on the draft board. So, Rodgers gets a new toy with TJ Hawkinson, and it's a big move that I like a lot. And they still have another pick later in the draft at pick 30. Number 13, I have the Miami Dolphins selecting Cleland Farrell, edge out of Clemson. This is a pick that might get questioned. The Dolphins don't have a quarterback. They're the only team without a prospective starter for the 2019-2020 season already. They have Luke Falk, the pick from Washington State, um, they have Jake Rudock from, um, University of Michigan. That's it. They have two quarterbacks on the roster. Neither have started a game in their life with, in the NFL, and they need a quarterback. They're likely going to go out and sign a veteran quarterback or trade for a veteran quarterback, but nobody seems to want to play quarterback for them. Teddy Bridgewater met with them, decided to stay with New Orleans. Tyrod Taylor reportedly had conversations with them and decided to sign with the San Diego Chargers. Overall, it seems like Miami's not an ideal quarterback destination, so what they do is they prepare for the 2020 draft, which they reportedly told head coaches in their interviews that that was what they were aiming for, that to stay along for the long haul, that 2019 was going to be rough, but 2020 looks bright. They get a quarterback in 2020, but for now, they improve their defense and grab Cleland Farrell, edge rusher out of Clemson, who I like a lot, who may slip in this draft and is the kind of guy I could see falling into 
the end of the first round, although I like the fit with Miami. Um, my next pick is to the Atlanta Falcons. I have DK Metcalf, wide receiver, Ole Miss. First wide receiver off the board, and maybe the most electric wide receiver in this class. He's a guy I think is going to get... He'll be the first wide receiver likely off the board because of his combine performance. But people need to sit and really dive into what he did at the combine. He has either diamond in the rough, although he's going to likely be a high pick, or bust written all over him. It's that. It's one of the two. He's either going to be the Josh Gordon that doesn't have the off-the-field issues, or he's going to be the bust that Josh Gordon became. Metcalf wowed in the 40-yard dash, wowed with his vertical, but struggled in the three-cone drill and struggled in some other drills at the combine. He's a guy who is going to likely go high because of his combine performance and could use some tutelage from a veteran receiver like Julio Jones with Atlanta. Julio's contract's up after this coming season, and if Atlanta can get someone like DK Metcalf to pair with Calvin Ridley, who they got last year, who wowed when he was healthy and on the field, that's a great wide receiver trio for Matt Ryan to have for the 2019-2020 season, but also provides a dynamic combo for the future if they decide to let Julio walk by any chance. Well, here we go. This may be one of the most surprising picks in my draft. The Washington Redskins select Dwayne Haskins, quarterback, Ohio State. Haskins needs a year, and I am reluctant to say that, but if he went to the New York Giants, which reportedly they have no interest in him, um, he needed a year. He needs, although I think he is maybe more quarterback, more ready to be a quarterback in the NFL than Drew Locke or Kyler Murray, he needs a year to sit behind a guy and learn. And sitting behind Case Keenum in Washington seems like an ideal fit for me. Dwayne Haskins would be their future guy. They could build around and go into the 2020, 2021, and the future beyond that with their eyes on building around him, despite the fact that they still have Case Keenum for the coming season. He can be the Alex Smith to Patrick Mahomes type thing and learn and be able to, similar to the Broncos situation I described earlier, teach the young quarterback and mold him. I like the Haskins to Redskins fit, and Haskins stops falling down the board and gets to sit behind Case Keenum for the 2019-2020 season in this draft, in my opinion. My next pick is the Carolina Panthers, Andre Dillard, offensive lineman. Dillard is an athletic offensive lineman and could honestly be the top offensive lineman in this draft class. Dillard is athletic, he is versatile, and a kind of player that can protect Cam Newton and keep him from taking big hits and keep him protected in the 2019-2020 season so he doesn't have to get surgery again. Dillard can be the kind of guy to take the pressure off Newton, and be a big add to the Carolina Panthers' offense. Despite the fact that they could get more flashy players, Dillard is the maybe not-so-flashy pick that makes the most sense for the Carolina Panthers. I'm going offensive lineman again. The New York Giants, with their second pick in the first round, 
They grabbed Rashawn Gary earlier, and now I see them going on the other side of the ball, the other side of the line, and grabbing Jonah Williams, Alabama. It wasn't long ago Williams was being talked about as a potential top five pick. Now Williams is going number 17 in my mock draft to the Giants. He didn't have a very wowing combine. He's starting to fall because of questions about his makeup and his um, mentality and a lot of questions about his game overall. Maybe not the mentality side, but just his game as a whole. The Giants can grab him, grab Rashawn Gary, and walk out of this draft cutting their losses and looking like they just grabbed two key players for their rebuild. I still have high hopes for Williams. I still think he could be the Quinn and Nelson of this year's draft class. He's a guy I'm very high on, and I really like that fit to the New York Giants because if they plan on drafting a quarterback in 2020, they're going to need an offensive lineman to guard him, but they're also going to need someone to keep Eli from taking those hits this season, and Jonah Williams seems like that kind of guy to me. The next pick, the Minnesota Vikings, another offensive lineman. I have them grabbing Dalton Risner. Risner is a very versatile and flexible guard, um, guard interior offensive lineman, could even play outside type. He can be moved all over the offensive line, and he's a mauler type that I think is going to get overlooked, but because of his versatility will go in the first round, I still believe. I think the fit to the Vikings makes a lot of sense. You can protect Kirk Cousins, upgrade that offensive line, and it just is an overall move that makes a lot of sense. The next pick to me is Brian Burns, edge rusher to the Tennessee Titans. Burns is an upgrade to that Titans team, but he's a guy overall who I could see falling out of the first round, but he's a guy I like and am fond of, and the fit to the Titans just makes a lot of sense to me. Mike Vrabel, the head coach, could use an athletic edge rusher type. Burns might not have been the top edge rushing group like there's a top tier of edge rushers in my head and he may be a second tier edge rusher but he's still a very athletic edge rusher who would likely go in the top 10 top 15 in most other drafts but because of the talented edge rushing class this year he falls a little Mike Vrabel gets a new toy to play with and Brian Burns and it's a move I like a lot the next pick is a bold one Steelers just traded away a Brown but now they get a Brown again Marquise Brown, wide receiver, Oklahoma. He's a burner. He's an athletic kind of player who fits well with Juju Smith-Schuster and James Washington and kind of builds a new, younger receiving core. Big Ben can throw the ball downfield and throw a really good deep ball. That's why Marquise Brown makes a lot of sense to me. He's, in my eyes, the Tyreek Hill 2.0. He's athletic, he's fast, he's a burner, and he can catch the ball and make things happen with it. If he can do that with the Steelers, he makes up and fills a big void for the hole they just created with the trade of Antonio Brown. Marquise Brown is a big selection for the Steelers for me and gives them a dynamic player on offense, and it's a move I like a lot. The Seahawks need an offensive lineman. That's why this next selection, I have them taking Garrett Bradbury of NC State. Bradbury can kind of move all over the offensive line. He's versatile, similar to Dalton Risner. He's a guy I'm very fond of and could be one of my top offensive linemen in this class when I do my my big board later this year, or later this month, or later this spring. (laughs) Um, I see Bradbury being a 
very good, flexible player in the NFL. And the Seahawks need to protect Russell Wilson. They're going to make a big investment into him likely very soon. And getting a guy like Bradbury shows that you're serious about protecting him and making sure something like a shoulder injury that just happened to Cam Newton doesn't happen to Wilson. The next pick I have, I have the Baltimore Ravens filling John Brown slot and taking that over with A.J. Brown, wide receiver, Ole Miss. He's Jarvis Landry, like a comparison to me would be Jarvis Landry. He's athletic, he's a pass-catching, possession-type wide receiver that maybe is getting overlooked because he's not the best wide receiver out of Ole Miss right now because of D.K. Metcalf and him taking a lot of the headlines. But Brown is a reliable receiver who would make a big difference to that Ravens offense and can kind of be a safety net type receiver for Lamar Jackson. The next pick I have is kind of a steal. I have the Houston Texans taking Greedy Williams of LSU. Williams, not too long ago, was being talked about as another guy who could be in the top 10, but falls a lot with the run on edge rushers and offensive linemen. Williams did not have a very impressive combine and really only furthered the talk that Byron Murphy and DeAndre Baker are that close to Williams. But Williams still is a very proven cornerback who is going to make a big impact at the next level, and the Houston Texans are still able to grab him in the late first round, and that's a move I like a lot. Going back-to-back cornerback selections, I have the Oakland Raiders selecting Byron Murphy, cornerback Washington. Murphy's athletic, he's fast, he can keep up with a lot of wide receivers. He would be able to be a dynamic addition to that defense. You now have Quinn and Williams and Byron Murphy both added to that defense. It's a move I like a lot, and it's a move that makes a lot of sense to me. You've already now improved the secondary on defense if you're John Gruden. You've now improved the defensive line, and now you just have to improve the linebacking core, which they still have another pick in the first round where they could do that. I like the move a lot, and it's a move that makes a lot of sense to me. The next selection, I have the Philadelphia Eagles selecting Josh Jacobs, running back Alabama. He's the only running back I have in the first round, although I think Montgomery, Singletary, um, a lot of those athletic-type running backs would be first-rounders. They have first-round talent. They fall out of the first round with the run-on defensive linemen and offensive linemen like Greedy Williams also falling as well. Josh Jacobs is Alvin Kamara. He's a carbon copy. Jacobs didn't get a lot of reps at Alabama. He was kind of the secondary back to Damian Harrison or Damian Harris. But Jacobs was a pass catching, versatile back out of the backfield. And just like an Alabama product out like Alvin Kamara, Jacobs can slide into that Philadelphia Eagles running back rotation and take over and become their lead back and it's a pick I like a lot and it takes a lot of the pressure off Carson Wentz who's coming back this season and doesn't have that safety net behind him Nick Foles and is going to have to be the leader and be the captain of that offense and with a lot of pressure getting someone like Jacobs takes some of that pressure off. The next pick I have is efficient. That's the best way to describe it. They get Christian Wilkins, defensive lineman, the Colts, Last, seat, last draft got Quentin Nelson and Darius Leonard and some other guys who also are very talented, but Chris Ballard made two efficient picks with those two that turned out very well. 
Christian Wilkins is another example of that. He's a big body defensive lineman who falls a little bit with the run on other defensive linemen and edge rushers, like a lot of the guys I'm listing in the late first round, but he's still talented and still a very dynamic pick and really good pick for the Colts, and it's a move I would like a lot if Chris Ballard made that. The next selection I have, I alluded to with the Byron Murphy selection, I have the Oakland Raiders selecting Devin Bush, linebacker, Michigan. Bush is a leader. Bush is a high IQ linebacker, sideline to sideline ability, had a really good combine, and is a guy who deserves to go in the first round, although he could fall. The Raiders now get a guy who maybe doesn't have as much of a pass rushing ability like Khalil Mack had, but you get a leader of your defense like you had with Khalil Mack. And in a draft where they have a lot of picks, they spent the first round getting Quinton Williams, Byron Murphy, and Devin Bush, and significantly upgrading that defense after significantly upgrading the offense, and honestly making a play to be a surprise team next season with three new, really good defensive additions. And it'd be a draft that I would be very fond of if Gruden did moves like these. The next pick I have, the only safety in my first round. The San Diego, or not the San Diego anymore, the Los Angeles Chargers select Taylor Rapp, safety out of Washington. Rapp is, in my opinion, more athletic than Jonathan Abram. Um, not calling out Abram, I think Abram deserves to go in the first, but there's not a lot of teams that he would, in my opinion, fit well as a first-rounder. There was better guys above him. I do think Taylor Rapp reminds me a lot of a um, Eric Weddle type, I guess, would be the best way to describe him. He's a very athletic safety and a guy I'm very fond of and may have been a second rounder before the combine, but had a very good combine and can make a case to be a really good addition to the Chargers secondary and pair very nicely with Derwin James. The next, the next selection I have is the Kansas City Chiefs selecting Ja'Kai Polite, outside linebacker of Florida. Polite can take over the D Ford hole and be a really good addition to the Steve Spagnola defense that the Chiefs are kind of rebuilding. He can be a pass-rushing, really versatile linebacker to add into that defense. He's a guy I'm very fond of, maybe a little more fond of than Brian Burns, and he's one of those second-tier edge rushers that would make a big impact on that Chiefs defense. My next selection... The second selection for the Packers, they grabbed an offensive player earlier, so I have them grabbing a defensive player here, who, although he got busted for performance-hancing drugs um, prior to the national championship, Dexter Lawrence is a versatile defensive tackle who can make a big impact on the Packers and fill the Muhammad Wilkerson hole that was created by letting him walk into free agency. The Packers made very good moves, adding Zadarius Smith, and another edge rusher who I can't think of right now. Um, And they also added Adrian Amos. They're committed to adding key players to that defense and adding Dexter Lawrence to pick I would like a lot. And he's going to fall, obviously, could fall out of the first round because of the -the off-the-field issues. But on the field, Dexter Lawrence is a big addition to the Packers. Well, the next player is another guy who's going to fall because of off-the-field issues. But with a young head coach who can control big personalities, as he proved with Dominic Sue, who they're letting walk and creating a hole. The Rams draft Jeffrey Simmons, defensive tackle. Simmons has had his off-the-field problems, is a top-ten talent, in my opinion, 
but did not go to the combine because of off-the-field issues and falls right into the Rams' lap. If they can control him the way they controlled Ndamonik Sue, this is a huge addition for McVay and a big pick at the end of the first round that makes a lot of sense and could make a lot of noise next season, and it's a pick I like a lot. And if the McVay-led Rams do that and they give a toy to Wade Phillips to play with, it's a move I like a lot. The last pick of the first round, the New England Patriots, the reigning champions. Not a lot of holes on this team. With a coach like Belichick, there's a lot of places they can find um, guys to fill in for the Trey Flowers loss, uh, the release of Adrian Claiborne, and some of the other players that were very prominent in the Patriots Super Bowl runs. So if you can manufacture players to fill gaps, why not find a player who can fill a gap that's going to be created in a couple of years? Brady's not getting any younger. And every year you hear the rumors that they're going to select a quarterback. This year they've kind of quieted down a little. And with a lot of picks, with 12 draft picks, and the ability to make decisions that can improve the team in the second round, and they can, with the top 100 picks, they can make other moves to still improve the team. Why not fill a hole that's going to be created soon and select Daniel Jones, quarterback of Duke? Jones is a guy I'm very fond of. I think he is the most underrated quarterback in this class, reportedly had the best interviews at the Combine, also had a really good senior ball performance. He's a guy who's getting underrated. He reminds me a lot of Eli Manning, who is kind of a Patriot killer. He is a dynamic player on offense. I've said that a lot about a lot of players in this class, but Jones is a guy I like a lot. He fits the Patriot mold and would be a great replacement for Brady and a guy who could sit behind one of the greatest quarterbacks, if not the greatest quarterback of all time, learn from him, and then in a few years when Brady wants to hang it up, take right over and be the Jimmy Garoppolo that Belichick wanted um, him to be. He could be what Belichick wanted Garoppolo to be. It's a pick I like a lot. And all of these 32 picks were picks I feel can significantly upgrade the teams. I like a lot of these moves. I think they would all make a lot of sense. Obviously, it's still early. The first wave of free agency just ended. Now it's the second wave. A lot of holes on teams are going to get filled through free agency, through trades, through surprise cuts. But these are all moves that I like a lot. There will be another mock draft. There will be an ambitious mock draft 2.0. But for now, mock draft 1.0 picks I like a lot to teams that like the Giants and the Raiders that can significantly improve. That is all. Thank you guys for tuning in to this week's episode of Ambitious. Next week, back to the Saturday episode schedule. It's going to be a really fun episode. I can't wait for you guys to tune into that. So tune in next Saturday for another episode of Ambitious. You can listen wherever you listen to podcasts. And I'll see you back here Saturday for another episode of Ambitious.